Weekday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined as usual on this day and almost any day, unless he's not here, by JP Ong. <laughs> you are going to be here for the rest of the year, aren't you? I will be here until, until, until the until new year, you're not. at least. Yes. <laughs> well, that, that, isn't that the case for everybody on this world, well, right? Well, you know, at, <laughs> at some point, we all have to take some leave. Wait, that is true, yes. Now, I'll, I'll be with you guys until the final broadcast for the year. And uh, we'll, someone's going to have to hold on the floor. Hopefully. Hopefully we find some time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, let's uh, markets first. Work, work comes first, of course. So Right, absolutely. <laughs> now, although the markets today... Uh-huh. Mm. This is uh, this is not what I would call a happy Wednesday. It's a woeful Wednesday. A woeful Wednesday. I woeful like Wednesday that. Wednesday is where we are. Um, take a look at value turnover for one on the SGX. We uh, we're only, we're about eleven minutes into the afternoon session, and guess what? We've already seen seven hundred sixty-six million Singapore dollars in total value turnover. Mostly sellers. Mostly sellers, the, the, and we are down by about half a percent, 3,156. Last I checked, we have cut down those year-to-date gains to about 2.9%. Right. So much, uh, it, it, the, the erosion is continuing, and it's picking up a little bit. And I think that the, the, uh, the, the catalysts and some of the big markers for in, out in global markets today among traders all point to, to negativity, actually. And you look across the region also, for instance, the Nikkei 225 is down by a full percent. That's mm. also because the Japanese yen has strengthened again. There's another flight to safe havens that is taking place slowly but surely. The ASX 200, again, seeing probably the biggest losses in the region now, down by about 1.6%. We have to remember, too, that the ASX 200 came off of their highest levels in about 14, 15 months. So if you're looking for places to profit take, if you're looking for places to hit, the ASX 200 is one of them. Um, it's also because we're, we're seeing... Uh, the a sagging demand for minerals again. It's, it's, uh, the commodities market is sure. getting a bit jumbled. And whenever the commodity market gets a bit muddled up, uh, the ASX 200 tends to get wobbly mm, also, mm, as we're mm. seeing today. Uh, Shenzhen in the green, but only by about 17 points. Shanghai in the red. Ha, the Hang Seng also down by 1.3%. I mean, look, it all boils down again to some of those recent comments from the U.S. President Donald Trump. What, the latest ones, you mean? Yes, the latest ones. But these are very telling, actually. And uh, on the sidelines of the... Na- and by the way, a lot has happened in geopolitics uh, over the last 24 for hours also, or quite a bit, that markets might want to take note of. For one, on the sidelines of the, of, uh, of the NATO summit, he actually said that in some ways he likes the idea of waiting until after the election for the China deal. So, it's, you know, I find this very interesting because a number of analysts and, uh, and have political watchers have pointed, have pointed out that the, that the U.S. side or Washington, D.C. might be under pressure to try and lock in a trade deal before mm. the U.S. elections and try to get that out of the way. Well, here, here's uh, U- U.S. Pre- President Trump throwing a wrench into this analysis. And now he's saying, actually, no, I would actually like to, I, I prefer waiting until the end of the election, perhaps next year, to make a deal with China. But he's saying that China actually wants to make a deal now. So he's saying, it's not me, it's them. They want, they want me more than I want them. It is basically what they're saying. And they said, but, and he says that uh, this is uh, something they're going to wait for. Com- also confirmed by Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, he said that we, it's better we get a proper deal than a quick deal. We make sure we get the right deal rather than a, than a, fa- than a swift deal at the moment. So, look, the possibility that we're going to have to wait until December of next year 
January of 2021 for a possible trade deal with China. That's a bit worrisome for markets. I think, I think it would uh, be more than a little bit worse for the market. Exactly. And strategists, fund managers, they'll probably be scrambling to try and reposition themselves. Yep. And we also have to remember that if there is no trade deal, what does that mean for December 15, mm-hmm. when another round of tariffs could come up on come U.S. In, Chinese in goods? Online. Yes, exactly. And... More complications now with regards to U.S.-China relations. Um, another bill has been passed in the U.S. Congress today, and it's a 407 to 1 in the Democratic-controlled House that uh, is going to call for, for the U.S. president to condemn abuses against Muslims, Uyghur, the Uyghur minorities in Western mm-hmm, Xinjiang mm-hmm. because of alleged human rights abuses at these mass detention or re-education camps out in Xinjiang. Now, of course, uh, and it was, might also impose sanctions on, one, on a high-ranking member of China's powerful Politburo, who is the Communist Party Secretary Chen Guanguo, Chen Guo. And so Beijing has now called this a malicious attack on China, demanding that the U.S. keep from keep to themselves, keep it from becoming law, and said they will act to defend their interests as necessary. When, as we've seen also, they have mentioned that they are willing to respond should this bill beca- mm-hmm. be passed into law. We saw what happened with regards to, to Hong Kong also. So a bit of a one-two punch. One bill condemning human rights abuses sure. in Hong Kong. Another one that's condemning human rights is on the western front of China, out in Xinjiang. Um, China doesn't like it when when folks are seen to be meddling in their affairs. I don't would, think any domicile would. Like nobody it. does, but I think. Uh, but I think uh, there the reports though with uh, coming out of Xinjiang. I'll just leave it at this. They've been very, they've been very worrisome. Sure. If some of the reports we've seen from the New York Times, from the Reuters regarding what's going on in western in the western region of China, I mean that it's a bit worrisome. Now, it does it merit action on part on the part of another foreign power like the US to say hey we could, we are condemning these we want to hold you guys accountable wait a minute this is an internal matter again this just muddles things up even more with, uh, between the world's two largest economies and could also endanger the possibility of a final trade truce between these two and just makes things even more complicated. The knot gets more tangled. And we're seeing it uh, have an effect, at least on market sentiment today. There is a definite um, pullback, at least. Willfulness. <laughs> there is a definite pullback at the moment. No one's really collapsing no. right now, but, there are, but the, this, these are significant. These are solid losses we're seeing across some of these major markets. Absolutely. And the SDI down by about, point, by about half a percent so for sure. today. Now, it's interesting because you said that a lot of analysts were saying that he kind of needs a deal. He, ne- he needs the win. That's from the point of view of markets. Now, from the point of view of political analysts, a lot of them have actually been saying he's going to stonewall until closer to the election so he can come across to his electorate, his voting bloc as a strong leader. Well, the, yes. So it's all about timing for the U.S. president. I, I think it's a, ti- a question of timing for the U.S. president. But mind you, a number of analysts have also called out that maybe China's going to wait until the 2020 elections mm-hmm. because in the event that you President Trump and I, I'm not saying that he will, but if on the off chance that he does lose the election, then they might have somebody easier to negotiate with or, more, or, or perhaps more amenable to negotiate with out in the White House. So this mm-hmm. could also be the game of China. But now if the U.S. is saying, actually, yeah, I'm willing to wait, this could be just a game of chicken between the world's two largest economies. And now the question for markets is, well, if this thing's not going to happen anytime soon, how does that what's affect the best the we can work? What's that, how is it going to affect our playbooks? How is mm. that going to affect our strategy moving into 2020? Um, will this mean a further decoupling between these two? Will this mean a souring of U.S.-China relations, both gov- political and economic? And what's that going to do to, com- to countries such as Singapore, which happens to be very sensitive to external developments such as these, especially ec- economic tensions such as these? Yeah, the, those are big questions with um, very weighted answers for mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think. 
Now, the news doesn't, doesn't get any better when you look at the Singapore factory activity, uh, a contraction again in November. But the, the silver lining, I guess, is the PMI is up. Um, they're, they're getting slightly better. They did rise by 0.2 points. Half I mean, on, silver at, lining? at this point, I, I call it a bronze lining, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, 49.8 is where we are. So the good news is it, ha- it has improved from the previous month. But it does mean that we have seen the factory activity here, PMI figures mm. here, contract for the seventh straight month. More worrisome, I think, for me is also... The fact that uh, we've seen electronic sector, the PMI there, contracting for the 13th straight month. It did improve a little bit to 49.7, but woohoo, it's still in, it's still in contraction territory. Uh, they said it's down to a slower contraction of new orders, new exports, factory output and employment, and also a faster expansion of inventory. So that's interesting. New orders and new exports have been, have been slipping yet again. Um, in fact, the slightly, this small bump or the small improvement that some said that the government's highlighting also, it's being viewed at, but with a grain of salt by OCBC's head of Treasury Research, Selena Ling. She said that it's possible that after the seasonal Christmas orders, we might see a bit of a slowdown again in the first quarter of 2020. So the slight improvement could be down to the fact that factory orders pick up usually during the holiday season. But once this is taken out or once the dust settles with this, we could, we could see a return to contraction territory, a deeper contraction in the first quarter of 2020. I think what everybody's really hoping for is that uh, there's that the the slowdown in the industrial space, not just here, but across the world, really starts to bottom out. We have seen a few examples of that in the microchip sector. They, they, they're, they're banking on the age of 5G, which is expected to really mm-hmm. pick up steam next year to help lift demand once again. But the numbers, at least, that's for next year. But the, the numbers, at least now, are pointing, that, are pointing to a, a continuation, that is of these contractionary pressures. Well, I know some analysts are really, really looking very hard with big, big magnifying glasses for mm-hmm. those uh, green shoots they're yeah. hoping for. Yeah, but you know, whenever... <laughs> you, here's the thing, I, I have to say, um, whenever folks say that, you know, there are green shoots, I think, I feel that the, it's also... It's just another way of saying I'm, 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 I'm clutching at straws at the moment. Yeah, it's called wishful thinking in exactly. my world. At the, at the moment. So, <laughs> so try to be positive, but at the same time, a, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're really pushing it, I think, at this point. Absolutely. Now, does the news get any better? Um, the news does, uh, I think, at the moment... Looking across the region, not entirely. In fact, when you look at the STI even, or uh, there are significant losses today. Dairy Farm is today's most heavily traded offer. I just want to make sure that I'm reading that right. Dairy Farm is. Um, they are also the worst performer on the Straits Times Index year to date, down by about is 35%. Is that because of the Hong Kong connection? Partly the Hong Kong connection, but even before that happened in Hong Kong, Dairy Farm was feeling the pain, actually, since mm-hmm. the start of the year. In fact, in the first quarter, they were already the worst. We were kind of looking at it like, we were looking at this? It was between them and joining Cycling Carriage, yep, really. Jardine Cycling Carriage, I believe, still in the red, I believe, year to date. But they've actually improved. They, they, we've seen things actually pick up a bit for that other stock. But Dairy Farm not looking too well today. Um, across the board, the banks are all trading in the red at the moment. Maple Tree Commercial Trust, look at that, 2.1% in the red today. Two just units are now trading at $2.31 a piece. Yang Zichang Shipbuilding, despite this uh, seeming deterioration in U.S.-China relations, they are unchanged, which is better than what we've seen. Usually, whenever that we see... That would make the, them a star performer. That would make them a star performer, given what we know about how they react mm-hmm. to uh, deteriorating um, relations between the U.S. and China. The fact that they're flat today is might be seen as a bit of a win. I do want to point this out. Um, 
we tend to look at uh, Hong Kong sensitive stocks, especially mm-hmm. when the Hang Seng is down this much, and see whether they're they're losing ground. One of the few stocks on the STI that's in the green today, and by a bit of a margin to is Jardine Matheson Holdings. They're up by one and a half percent today to fifty four U S dollars and seventy cents. What's driving that? Ah, honestly, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I think it's just a matter of folks just rotating at the moment and saying, you know, so again. Can we really blame the, the downturn of some of these stocks to ongoing tensions in Hong Kong? A number of analysts out in Hong Kong have actually told us that you know, a lot of the negativity has already been priced in. And I think now the focus is shifting from Hong Kong to what's going on in the western mm-hmm. region of China and what that's going to do. But overall, they're also worried about what the trade deal is going to do or the lack of a trade deal is going to do to the Hong Kong economy, to Hong Kong markets. They're as open, if not more open than Singapore, actually. To some of these tensions. So, uh, again, they're, they're, everywhere you look, there are warning signs, I think. And I think Wednesday is going to be a shade of red, at least. I think the rest of the week is going to be about trying to figure out what next moves are based on the president's latest well, comments. I, I mean, and I Unless be, he makes some other comments. And I wouldn't be surprised if strategists start planning around the scenario of no trade deal until 2021. I think that would be wise. And I think it would be, they're probably on it, though. they probably have a few scenarios already out mm-hmm. there. And I'd love to figure out what, how, how they're factoring all of these developments, because this is big. The fact that the U.S. president, unless he walks back these statements in the next couple of days, and he's done that on occasion before, unless he walks back these statements... Um, the possibility of a trade deal not happening until about 15 months down the line is very is is has a significant probability. So when they said December 15th, maybe they meant December 15, 2020. Perhaps, perhaps. And mind you, also it, just because when we get through the November 2020 elections, that you know, the, whoever wins it, whether it be the Democratic Party, whether it be President Trump and the Republicans. You're going to need some time to sort out your cabinet. You're going to need mm-hmm. some time to sort out your phase two. If if it's a continuation of a President Trump of the Trump administration of the White House, uh, they're not going to be in any rush either to try and, and and come to a trade deal with China. So we could be in this kind of trade limbo for a while. All right. So, you know, my first job ever was in a bank. Mm. My third job, this is actually quite amusing to me, was in shipping. Ah. And which is why when I read about the two biggest shipbuilders announcing that they kind of want to merge, if that's what it's called, was quite astounding to me because so many parties would be involved in mm-hmm. that coming together. You're talking, of course, of Hyundai <laughs> heavy, heavy and Daewoo Heavy out in, oh, Singapore, yes. in, in South Korea, right? So, okay, this is news that's actually been in the, on the mind of uh, the shipping industry since the start of the year. Since mm. earlier this year, they've been talking about merging and creating or what is probably the biggest shipbuilding company in the world. And they're already among the 10 biggest, these two. Um, but you have to clear a lot of regula- regulatory A lot of areas. countries have to say yes. I mean, take a look at this. Uh, South, uh, South Korea alone, China, Japan, Kazakhstan, the EU, and including here in Singapore, where they will have to get the thumbs up from regulators in Singapore. And Hyundai Heavy has said that they are trying to work with regulators here to try and uh, and and soothe concerns that this billion, this $2 billion merger with Daewoo is not going to harm competition in this particular hub. Now, it's very important for Singapore and the shipbuilders here and the shipping industry because mm-hmm. this is still one of the biggest uh, shipping hubs, I believe, if not in Asia, the world. It is one of the busiest and ports in the world. Def- it is definitely. That, that's for sure a top 10 easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, this is a merger and this is a deal that's going to be very important or something that the regulators here in Singapore are going are to be watching going very to be closely. Watching, yes. and, uh, and the spokesman for Hyundai Heavy has said that we believe that Singaporean authorities 
Singaporean authorities are going to be taking a cautious approach. Why am I not surprised? Caution Singapore, right? <laughs> um, to make a decision about the deal between these two big market t- players. He said that we will do our best to complete this well and make sure that we can uh, assuage concerns that, hey, you know what? This is not going to lead to, a, to lesser competition in the region. It's not going to harm it uh, detrimentally. But it's also, I think, a response to a potential slowdown. If a slowdown happens, a lot of these industrial players, especially these big shipbuilders, are going to uh, have to ask themselves, do I want to close up shop? Do I want to pair back yeah. my, do I want to cut jobs or do I want to try and find a merger to make sure that we can consolidate Are in there the suddenly going to be, you know, jobs that are duplicated and therefore mm-hmm. become redundant? Yes, yes. Uh, but they're going to have to ask for a lot of blessings. A mm-hmm. lot of godparents are going to, uh, and I, when I mean godparents, I mean countries, countries <laughs> are going to have to give their blessing to this and Singapore, one of them. And, uh, and Singapore and regulators there here have said that this deal could remove competition in the supply of LNG carriers or liquefied natural gas carriers, container ships and oil tankers to Singaporean customers because we are also a big offshore marine hub. Well, you see, the thing is, you're right. This is not new news in, in the sense that, that there's been whispers about this merger for a long time. But I actually didn't believe it would happen. Hmm. Now they seem to really want to make it happen. Well, I think they've actually been making some progress towards it, but it's, uh, I think this, is, this might be one of the more significant humps that they're going to have to clear and, uh, and ask for the blessing, at least, for, uh, for, from regulators here in Singapore also. Here we go. Hyundai is the largest shipbuilder in the world in terms of order backlogs, and Daewoo is the second. So One and two coming together. One and together. two becoming an even bigger number one. Yeah, I mean, Ooh, the, that would I mean, be frightening. You'd have to ask your, on you, several you, levels. You, yes, and if you're a competition regulator, whether you're here, you're Kazakhstan, you're in the EU, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to ask yourself, well, what is this going to do? Because the big, uh, the, the, is the, there the big enough fish side is, for us. The big fish is about to turn into a whale. Yeah, right. I think it was already kind of a whale. <laughs> yes, a big. Well, then the bigger whale. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Rest of the day, I think it's more of the same. That's that's my read of it. Now, yeah. what do you think? I think it's. I think this is. Uh, I think the big question now is, are markets going to lose a lot of steam in December? Now, folks were saying that, you know, we're not going to see a repeat of the fourth quarter of 2018 when we saw markets. Uh, some people were calling it a meltdown. I wouldn't say that, but it was a, it was a definite spanking mm-hmm. for markets in the fourth quarter of 2018 when we, saw, when we saw stocks really pair back significantly. My concern is that we, we might see a mini repeat of that happening. I don't think it's going to be as traumatic as, yeah. say, what we saw last year, but... Uh, there, I think that the odds of the Straits Times Index closing in the red year to date have ri- have risen significantly because of these comments. And I think uh, what the only thing that's really going to alleviate this is if we see a slight walk back of those comments from President Trump and the Trump administration, or we see China and the USA. Hey, guess what? We're shaking hands again. So it'll be interesting. Okay, we'll keep our eyes on it. JP will, of course, come back with the latest news on the business and finance. Markets. Uh, let's see. In a few hours. Yes. From four o'clock That's today. Right. This is a market view on Workday Afternoon on Money FM 89.3. He's JP Young. I'm Clarissa Montero. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.